Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012. It's now the 27th day of May 2016, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. Recordings from the Sully Baseball Studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Los Angeles Dodgers center fielder Jock Peterson. Why am I ending with Jock Peterson today? Eh, who cares? Do you know what today is? I mean, I, I just said it's it's May 27th, but it's a strange, strange thing is that there are two players in baseball history who were born on this day, Frank Thomas and Jeff Bagwell. Is that amazing? They had the they were born not on just the same date. They were born on the same day. May 27th, 1968, Frank Thomas and Jeff Bagwell were born. Frank Thomas, two-time MVP, Hall of Famer. Uh, Jeff Bagwell, MVP, maybe someday Hall of Famer. And they were both the MVP in the strike-shortened 1994 season. I just, that's just wild. That's one of those weird little uh, coincidences that, you know, on that same day. Now, they didn't note it then. They didn't say, man, two babies were born. Let me tell you something. Both of these babies, both of these babies. Uh, you know, it's funny that they, Frank Thomas was on the 2005 White Sox and Jeff Bagwell was on the 2005 Astros. And those two teams faced off in the World Series. Uh, but, you know, Jeff Bagwell was a... It was really a shell of his former self at that point. He had only played with 39 games that whole year, was a part-time player in the postseason, and Frank Thomas, had a his foot was in a cast. So you had this, this face-off between these two titans, Thomas and Jeff Bagwell, and as it turned out, neither one of them, I mean, Thomas didn't even play, and they were both basically on the sidelines watching. Uh, Thomas only played, they, you know, they each played under 40 games that year. Thomas played, hit 12 home runs in his 34 games, but, you know, was injured for the postseason, and neither one of them played for that team again after that World Series. Jeff Bagwell retired, and Frank Thomas went to Oakland, and actually wound up having a wonderful season in Oakland in 2006 and damn near, you know, was, if there was a division series MVP, Thomas would have won it with his fantastic performance in the sweep of the Twins. So happy birthday, Frank Thomas. Happy birthday, Jeff Bagwell. And, you know, maybe Jeff Bagwell will make the Hall of Fame one year. Maybe not. But either way, happy birthday to both of them. Um, Bagwell was a, he was from, uh, born in Boston, was a Red Sox draft pick, and was traded in one of the worst trades in Red Sox history, obviously not the worst trade, that involved Babe Ruth, but he could have been, ah, what could have been to have Bagwell playing in the Red Sox in all throughout the 90s and the 2000s, but he was behind in the depth chart behind Mo Vaughn and Scott Cooper, and they said, yep, he's too skinny, doesn't have enough power, and then he shows up in the major leagues, buddies with Ken Caminiti, his body balloons up, and he becomes a Hall of Fame slugger. 
So I'll leave that. Just, you may be mad that I said those words in that order, but those are what we like to call in the industry facts. So just make whatever conclusions you want from that. Um, I'm just going to talk about a couple of things because Thomas is in the Hall of Fame. I'm going to talk about two other Hall of Famers and both who did something that was kind of um, button pushing. Let's call it button pushing. Let's be kind and call it button pushing. Uh, the first thing, that, and, and I want to just say that um, I I'm, was thrilled by what happened uh, last night in Fenway Park. Not, look at, I'm not thrilled by the result of what happened. The Red Sox were on a long winning streak, and they're still in first place, so uh, I, I'm not going to complain that they didn't sweep the uh, Colorado Rockies. But that being said, uh, Clay Buckholtz is, uh, well, Clay Buckholtz is just no longer the, he's not going to be an ace. He's, he is what he is. He's a number four or five starter who's having a really, really terrible year. And I think the sooner the Red Sox come to realization about that, the better off we're all going to be. No, the thing that happened that was great was that the Red Sox finally retired the number 26 for Wade Boggs. I mean, this is, I'll say it, decades too late. But Wade Boggs, say what you want about Wade Boggs, he is one of the great offensive players of his era, and I think one of these players who, in retrospect, is better in hindsight than we realize when he played. I was one of those, as I said, I've done several podcasts on this topic, so I'm not going to go too deep into this. I'm not going to do too deep a dive on this. But this was a guy who, yeah, he won batting title after batting title, but there were idiots like me, like your pal Sully, going, he doesn't hit enough homers to drive in enough runs. He would lead the league in on base. He would lead the league in OPS. And we didn't know what that meant then. But you, you lead the league, and you got 200 hits year in and year out walk a ton, score a ton. And even John McNamara, I'll say even John McNamara, even John McNamara realized, hey, I should put the guy who's always on base first in the order. Now you should have him be third. If he batted fifth, he'd be driving in more runs. Maybe the guy who's always on base should get the most at-bats. Therefore, he would be on base the most and score a lot. And people are like, why is he leading the leagues and run scores? He doesn't steal any bases. Why would you lead him off if he can't steal bases? Because he's always on base, you idiot. If he played today, he'd be winning the MVP year in and year out. As a war, the closest he got was fourth place in the MVP vote. But he was a tremendous, tremendous player, obviously, and they should have retired his number when he got elected to the Hall of Fame. I don't understand why there was resistance to it, but I know a lot of Red Sox fans are like, he went to the Yankees. He was a traitor. Traitor! Yeah, yeah, shut up. If you think that, if you say that, do me a favor, grab a ski and beat yourself with it. And then when you can no longer beat yourself with the ski, hand the ski to a friend of yours so they can beat you, because that's what you're worth. Wade Boggs gave the Red Sox 11, well, he gave the Red Sox 10 great years and one okay year. 
Unfortunately, that okay year was 1992, his walk year. The Red Sox never offered him a contract. He became a free agent. They didn't offer him a contract. The Yankees did. He signed with the Yankees. Now, before you call him a traitor, remember, the Red Sox didn't offer him a contract. After putting it together, Hall of Fame numbers, year in and year out, nearly, nearly 2,100 hits in 11 years, a cinch to get 3,000. And someone who put together tremendous numbers when the Red Sox went to the postseason in 86, 88, and 90. And, remember, got a big hit and scored in that 10th inning. It was a two-run lead going in the bottom of the 10th in 86. Boom. They didn't offer him a contract. So, therefore, there is no argument it's not even, it's a matter of opinion. No, there is no argument that Wade Boggs acted like a traitor because he was not offered a contract. And the Yankees offered him one. In order for him to be a traitor, as an idiot would say, and if you thought that, congratulations, you're an idiot, nice to meet you. He would have to have looked at the Red Sox contract, looked at the Yankees contract, and accepted the Yankees contract. That's not what happened. Again, like with Jeff Bagwell, these are facts. If this makes you mad, it's because facts make you mad. And that's a you issue, not a me issue. For whatever reason, Boggs didn't get his number retired until yesterday. File that under better late than never. At least Boggs still looks like Boggs. You know, he's not this old wobbly man. And, his, and he was able to be there. He cheated on his wife. Yes, yes, yes. So did Mickey Mantle. Shut up. The fact of the matter is this. He got his number retired. It's long overdue. And now for future generations can look at the numbers. They can look at uh, Rice, Fisk, Williams, Stremsky, Doer, Pesky, uh, now, Pedro Martinez, and look at that, Wade Boggs. Who could have an issue with any of those? If you do, grab the ski from the other guy. Now, the other day, Wade Boggs also took part in the 86 World Series celebration. Now, had that final out been made in 1986, if you blame Buckner, grab the ski. If they had made that final out, as I said before, how many things would have been different in Red Sox history? Clemens and Boggs would be worshipped. There would be no hand-wringing about it. I believe Jim Rice is in the Hall of Fame on the first ballot. I believe Dwight Evans is in the Hall of Fame. I think John McNamara is a beloved figure in Boston history. And, you know, people would look at Bruce Hurst and Marty Barrett in the same light that we look at the 2004 squad. Now... During that celebration, it was reported, and Lisa Swan, friend of the podcast, pointed out to me that Wade Boggs was wearing his Yankees World Series ring because he was part of that team in 86 that should have won the World Series. They should have. But he got his ring, and he got it with the Yankees and was celebrating. He rode the damn horse after the Yankees won the World Series. And they said he wore a 
Yankee World Series ring to a Red Sox celebration. Now, there's nobody can look me in the eye and say this was just a, you know, this was a coincidence. No one puts on a World Series ring like they're putting on cufflinks or they're tying their shoes. Like, okay, do I have, do I have my, uh, let me just put my shirt on, do I have my belt? Okay, do I have my big gaudy ring to wear on my finger? Of course, there's a little bit of cheekiness to that. Of course, there is a message in there, and that is, yeah, I didn't win with this team, but I did get my ring. Not with this team, I got my ring. Of course, that was done with a little bit of a deliberate teasing. And do you know what? There's a little gamemanship there. There's a little silliness there. There's a little bit of, you know, poking a, a wound. And maybe you could say, hey, come on, Wade, Wade, we've, you know, we're welcoming you back. Why are you doing things that would sort of fan any flames? Of which I would respond, why should there be fa- any flames to fan? Why should there have been no contract offered? Why should there have been any controversy to, I mean, Wade Boggs retired in 1999. It's 2016. And he got into the Hall of Fame in what year? What year, folks? 2005. He was elected before my kids were born. My kids are now 11. You know, they're past the rules of seven. So, you know, Boggs, yeah, Boggs is poking fun at the Red Sox. Boggs is, you know, stirring, stirring up a little bit of the proverbial brown stuff. But that being said, he did it in a playful way. He did it in a sort of sly way. And if the Red Sox were still in the middle of the curse of the Bambino, if the Red Sox had no titles, that would have been a supreme dick move. Sorry, Mom, that's a bad expression. But they have. They've won three. And they've won more recently than the Yankees. So instead, it's just a playful little, hey, I didn't win it with this team, but I walked away with one. And that's not the worst thing in the world. It's playful. It's a little bit of a, you know, a little Bart Simpson-y. And by the way, Boggs appeared on The Simpsons. It's a little, you know, just it's a little needling. But it's, I think, done with a sly sense of fun. That's what baseball is. It's fun. So let's not get out of hand about it. And he was great in the ceremony today before the game when they retired his number. A lot of emotion. I believe it was sincere emotion. So, do you know what? He had his playfulness in the game, in the ceremony before, and he got the emotion out this time. Fun was had. He was honored. And do you know what? Let's not take it out of hand. It's fun. It's silly. Enjoy it. Now, let's talk about the other Hall of Famer who was, I don't know, out of line. Tony LaRussa. I'm not a Tony LaRussa fan. I respect the hell out of him. You bet I do. You can't deny what he did. Helped turn the White Sox around. Made the A's a world champion. 
and turn the Cardinals around. Can't deny his place in the Hall of Fame. But I never liked him. There was always something very smug about him. You know, granted, you know, he, a lawyer, saved puppies, supported the Oakland Ballet, yet I never rooted for a Tony La Russa team. There was something smug. There was something know-it-all. There was something about him as a manager that just rubbed me the wrong way. And I took great pleasure those years that the A's lost to the Dodgers, to the Reds, to the Blue Jays. I took pleasure when the Cardinals lost. I really did. When I stop and think about the teams that uh, Tony La Russa managed over the years in St. Louis, did I ever root for them? I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about that. Um, I guess I rooted for them when they played the Braves, okay? I'm not a Braves fan. When, so when St. Louis played the Braves, I would not root for St. Louis. But... I mean, when they played the Mets, I rooted for the Mets. When they played the Diamondbacks, I rooted for the Diamondbacks. When they played the Giants, I rooted for the Giants. When they played the Astros, I rooted for the Astros. When they played the Dodgers, I rooted for the Dodgers. When they played the Mets, I rooted for the Mets. When they played the Padres, I rooted for the Padres. Uh, you know, going down the line, every one of these years, when they played the Dodgers, rooted for the Dodgers. When they played the Phillies, rooted for the Phillies. When they played the Brewers, rooted for the Brewers. When they played the Rangers, I rooted for the Rangers. When they played the Nats, I rooted for the Nats. When they played the Giants, guess who I rooted for? When they played the Dodgers, guess who I rooted for? Gee whiz. When they played the Pirates, I rooted for the Pirates. When they played the Red Sox, huh, tough call. When they played the, the Dodgers again, rooted for the Dodgers. When they played the Giants, when they played the Cubs, I'm always rooting. And now, of course, the last bunch of those, since 2011, since the Tigers series, or not the Tigers, the, the, the Texas series, they've not been La Russa teams. And now he's running the Diamondbacks, and I just shrug because I'm not a Diamondbacks guy, and I don't know what the Diamondbacks are doing. Diamondbacks are, you know, he's being the Phil Jackson of the Diamondbacks because he actually never ran a team before. So now he's running it, and one of the first things that they do is they send their potential um, franchise shortstop for Shelby Miller. Whoops! But I just, what he did the other day, the Pirates announcer, there was a little gamesmanship and balls being thrown at each other in the Pirates and the Diamondbacks game. And one of the Pirates announcers pointed out that, you know, this happens when you have La Russa run teams. And pointed some of the beanball stuff that's happened with Arizona since he arrived and certainly with St. Louis all those years ago. And La Russa seeing that he has a tracing paper skin. Does that sentence make sense? It didn't sound like it did. Didn't just do or didn't just say, ah, announce, let announcers be announcers. He tried to walk into the announcer booth at the Pirates-Arizona game to confront the play-by-play -play guy for the Pirates about what the guy said about La Russa teams throwing at players, which, like the Bagwell statement, like the Bog statement, thems is facts. Those are factual statements. You may not like the factual statement, but they remain factual statements. And he tried to confront 
the play-by-play guy to the point where his poor partner had to announce part of the inning alone because they didn't want to have bananas Tony Larusa with his horrible just for men colored hair come staggering in, probably drunker than Andy Cap, confronting an an announcer for saying something that he may not like, but it's true. Saying things like, you know, there's sometimes someone may say something that you don't like, but sometimes it's true. Like, oh, I don't know, some of the big names of the steroid era played under La Russa while he was having his glory years. You don't like that statement? All right. But it's true. And he, you know, turned it, you know, one of the smartest guys in baseball, just ask him, he'll tell you. Was something like, oh, I didn't know to say anything, blah, 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 blah. Also, you know, drunk driving. Not a big fan of drunk driving. You know, going to, you know, at the Glenn Beck rally. Not getting into politics, but come on. And just that know-it-all, thin-skinned, and, you know, just demanding to be the smartest guy in the room at all times, to the point where he can't deal with an announcer that he wants to interrupt a broadcast. That's not Wade Boggs' playfulness, which is what he displayed. That's just being a jerk. That's just being a pushy jerk. And quite frankly, do you know what? I don't like it. And it makes me want to root hard against the Arizona Diamondbacks, which sounds weird, because who could be the Diamondbacks? Who's against the Diamondbacks? Your pal Sully is. Your pal Sully absolutely is. And I'm now rooting for Dansby Swanson to not only be good, but I want him to be a Hall of Famer. I want the trade of Swanson for Shelby Miller to be up there with Bagwell for Larry Anderson as one of the worst trades in baseball history. And oh yeah, the Diamondbacks are on a three-game losing streak despite all the changes that they made. And they stink. Tyler Russa may burst into right now where I'm doing this podcast, and I don't care. You hear that, Tony Larusa? Your pal Sully, he don't care. Who owned baseball on the day that Wade Boggs got his number retired? I'll tell you who owned baseball. One of my favorite players in baseball owned baseball. And that would be Mr., and I have to call him Mr., Mr. Jose Fernandez. I love Jose Fernandez. And he, when he pitches like he did today, it just makes me happy. Struck out 12, uh, I almost called him Devil Rays, 12 Rays over seven innings. You know, Wade Boggs has his number retired as a Devil Ray. Do you know that? Isn't that weird? Struck out 12 Rays over seven innings, walked one, one run. Marlins clobbered their cross-state rival, I guess, 9-1. to one. George Springer hit a pair of home runs. Astros beat Baltimore 4-2. to And Denny Echevarria, is that how you pronounce his name? 3 for 5, homered in the Marlins win. Uh, Jay Happ uh, beat the Yankees with 7 really good innings. Half-wob, CC Sabathia in that same game. 7 innings, no earned runs, 2 unearned runs. That's all the... Re- uh, Blue Jays needed, Yankees lost. Mike Leak pitched well. He's a good pitcher. Pitched well, seven innings, two runs, but St. Louis lost that game two to one. 
Uh, Michael Bourne reached base four times, but the Diamondbacks, as I mentioned, lost to Pittsburgh. And hey, David Ortiz, who chances are will have his number retired at one point, homered and doubled, but the Red Sox lost because Clay Buckholz stinks. Go to sullybaseball.wordpress.com. Like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Galiski. You can be old school and send me an email at info at sullybaseball.com. Pointing out the difference between playful douchiness and awful douchiness. Again, Mom, I'm sorry I'm saying some bad words here. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for the 27th day of May. 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan, playfully being your host, and you can call me Sullivan.